Jordan Hinshaw of Green Tech Planet. It is such an honor to have you with us on Hemp Barons today, brother. Thank you for being here. It is my pleasure. I appreciate you having me and uh, moving things around to make it happen. Absolutely. Now, hemp innovation is the name of the game right now. And uh, when we look at what Green Tech Planet is doing and what hemp tensils and the very many things that you're about to share with our uh, listeners are doing, we're talking really leading the way, shining uh, with hemp innovation with some of your few and rare colleagues who are, of course, moving forward with bioplastics uh, using some form of hemp uh, in their innovations. Tell us first, brother, you, you've had such a unique upbringing. First of all, you lived in multiple states, over over 20 states, I believe. You've lived in different countries than the United States, uh, Mexico, Canada. You are the son of Major Leaguer George Hinshaw and yourself um, have had quite a run uh, with baseball. And, and yet you've come to hemp. So why don't you first tell us a little bit about how you came to hemp and then we want to get right into the incredible products uh, that green tech planet and your team are making yeah absolutely so you know for me i mean i was a um a scholar athlete uh i was uh you know long beach poly graduate scholars and champions uh went to cal poly pomona on a mechanical engineering scholarship and was playing baseball there and so um you know obviously my dad did play professional baseball for 15 years and so he had really given me a a, a good ceiling um, an opportunity. And so I pursued that for some years. I actually left college um, and played professional baseball for over five years. And so, you know, in some of those travels, I was living in Missouri and Kentucky, uh, in the, in Indiana, Ohio, a lot of the places where uh, hemp was being grown for the first time, especially Kentucky. Uh, I was there for over two years and was learning a lot about the industrial side of it. You know, obviously growing up in California, you know, cannabis is no stranger to us, but um, you know, nobody really knows about industrial hemp. The the difference between the two alone is is confusing and and um scary at, at times. So, uh, you know, for me, I uh had that time there and I connected with um at who at the time was running operations a company called Sunstrands. Um, I think they're defunct now, but what they were trying to do was a really interesting, intriguing um, venture, which got the attention of their own senator and, and which, you know, resulted in passing that uh, farm bill back in 2014. So, you know, that 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 really was was ingrained in me that, you know, not only the engineering side and the innovation side of, of, of a new emerging industry and kind of what the opportunities will be around that, but um, also, um you know, this, the side of, of, uh, of the environmental benefit. I mean, you know, there's just so much usage of, of hemp and so much history, really, uh, that, you know, there's a, a whole revelation. If you, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but basically that, you know, co the cotton industry uh, played a part in uh, making a hemp illegal along with marijuana because it was like, you know, these are our competitors. But now we're in a position where we need raw materials and we need all this stuff. So, it's just so intriguing. There's just so much there is, is, is the roundabout way of saying it. And um, yeah, in 20, 2017, I joined a, a small startup that was trying to do some packaging and, and create solutions for the cannabis market. Um, you know, I was really interested in that uh, as an industrial engineer, somebody who was putting together supply chains and operations management research and all this stuff. Um, I, I saw that, you know, they, there's just no infrastructure in the hemp game. And um you know, four years later or two years later, I started a company with a, with another talented engineer and a few other teammates. And, um, 
you know, got got cracking, spent some money on some technology, some molds, some machinery, and and uh, you know, just started positioning things and seeing what we could get done. And and um, you know, it's been, it's been a um, you know tumultuous climb. I mean, it's challenging. You know, uh, you know, we're not a tech starling where we have a ton of a uh, of free money and runway to to, to make it happen. But uh, no, it's it just you know, at this point, it's starting to kind of turn into momentum, and and I'm excited to see what happens. So are we. And so excited that when I first discovered hemp tensils, oh my gosh, which was just before Christmas, it was just perfect timing. Um, I went a little nuts. I have bought so many different packages of hemp tensils and making sure that they get into lawmakers, regulators, and other industry leader uh, and manufacturing uh, hands. Tell us, what made you decide to start with utensils? Was that your first product, first of all, your first hemp bioplastic product? Was it hemp tensils or was it a different one? So we did a lot of prototyping with uh, containers first, and that was about two years of, of work on that. And um, what we just realized was, the, I mean, the cannabis industry going from 2017 to 2019 uh, was a roller coaster. There was so much investment in that space and so much customer pushback on all the packaging and all the waste that was created. So we actually had spent enough time working on different formulas, different mixtures. There's so many. There's so much science out there. There's so much uh, so in development. Um, and but what happened was in 2019, late in that year, a lot of companies. Uh, I mean, I think 20 out of the top 25 cannabis businesses, whether they're in uh, Canada or, or, or listed on this side, uh, were struggling. They're in the red. And so they turned their focus away from trying to address packaging because it was a luxury to them at that point. And we realized that, well, what we had gathered was a lot of uh, intel on how to make these different uh, polymers to, uh, you know, affect change. And, and we were like, well, what's a, what's a low, what's a, what's a low barrier to entry? What's something that we can do that's simple, that replaces a single use plastic and, you know, we can make in droves. And it was right around the time in 2020 when COVID hit. And so, you know, at that time, all the restaurants were doing takeout. Um, and I, I want to, you know, I, one of my contacts at U.S. Foods was saying, you know, we've increased our uh, c- combo kits that we use for takeout from 40000 a month we buy to 200000 a month at that time. And so, and, you know, there was just a report the other day, I, I guess there's a new policy here in California they're pushing for uh, f- to require reusables and all that stuff because it was like a 200% increase over the years. So, you know, in general, we were just like, well, if we can create a product using a waste material that would have been burned and created, creating more CO2 anyway, then why not start there? And then that kind of trickled into some of the things we've, we've just, uh, just started making. And let's, that's a great uh, opportunity for us to, before we start talking about some of the other innovations, and to the extent you, of course, whatever it is that you feel comfortable disclosing, Mr. Innovator, um, with regard to the to the bioplastic itself, right? So we we often are are trying to educate folks on the difference between a plastic, a bioplastic, a biocomposite, so to speak. And so, and when you say polymer, that's telling me that there is some hemp included in the the resin or the, itself. Uh, and do you also have any herd as a filler, as a composite in it? Because when I look at my beautiful set of hemp tensils, um, I, I see a filament in there and I'm wondering, is that herd? And in, in, so, and then my question becomes, so is there herd in there as a, as a biocomposite and hemp in the actual resin, the polymer itself? 
So it varies based on the type of product that we're making. So for, for with the utensils, when we first started making those, we were doing we were trying to stuff as much herd in them as possible, um, so that they were uh, you know the, the least amount percentage of uh, or I should say the highest volume of that material. We you know we were getting it for pennies on the pound, and so it's like hey, let's just make as much out of this as we can, and we weren't much focused on um the uh the spec of it you know in terms of like how big it was you know so you can actually see them in some of our early uh samples like you know these, these pretty sizable chunks um you know as we've gotten better at it and as we've kind of you know tested out different formulations uh now it's it's more integral into the matrix of the polymer itself and so um you may not see that you won't see that on our you know other products that will i guess we could discuss a little bit more as we go forward um but um, yeah, so it, it it definitely it matters on how, what kind of products you're making. If you've seen some of these uh, hemp surfboards that have come out, those things have incredible fibers, and um, you know that's that benefits the strength. It, it makes them very dense, and and um, you know they're they're very or I'm sorry, very strong. You know in that respect, and so yeah, it's it's quite interesting. And the plastic itself, so say separate from the herd or blending it more into the polymer, as you say, um, are there other plants uh, that comprise the various components of the of the resin that creates the utensil? And by the way, by utensil, guys, we're talking about spoon, fork and knife. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, so so definitely. Uh, and it, it is worth differentiation, uh, you know, just understanding what, what, what does plastic mean? What does bioplastic mean? What does biocomposite mean? So, yes. um, you know, in general, plastic is not a reference to the composition of it. Something is plastic because it has a quality of uh, stretchability. Right. Exactly. Yes. That that uh, carbon hydrogen chain that it is, that is so effective at, um, you know, barrier properties and, and flexibility. And so. Um, you know, what a bioplastic is supposed to be, and, and, and there are two forms of bioplastics. There are biodegradable bioplastics, and there are just bio-based bioplastics. And the irony of that is that just because something is bio-based doesn't mean it's biodegradable. Um, sure, sure is a pretty major thing to tell everybody. If it has hemp in it, it must be recyclable. No, critical thinker. No, not the case. Continue. Sorry about that. No, not a problem. And that's, that's an excellent distinction. And so, um, yeah, no, it, it, for us, you know, we understood that the consumers that we were interested in, which were ourselves, we were making products for ourselves to start out, uh, were people who wanted to match human nature with the results, with the desired result, right? Um, so if you're, if you understand that, you know, recycling only captures 10% of all plastics over the last 60 years, and there's billions of tons of, of it just piling up, then you'd want to know that that material is going to degrade at some point. And so what we focused on were some of those plant-based materials that specifically fed the, the biomes, the, the, the bacteria, and um, the environments in which they would end up in. And so, you know, if you understand that, hey, if you're, I'm going to dispose of this material, what happens when it leaches? Does it leach anything back into the soil? Is it causing more methane or CO2 than anything else? What's the actual give and take on this? That was our real focus. And so, you know, for us, we just have been concentrated 100% on, you know, delivering that in a nice uh, uh, cost-effective package. Hemp tensils are plant-based in, in their full component makeup? 
Not 100% hemp, but other plants as well? Sure. There's no petroleum in them yet. And and this, the science is there to be able to make them from 100% hemp. I mean, the process of, of being able to convert them into the sugars and doing so, it's just not, it's not commercially scaled yet, really, to be able to say, you know, we're going to take a standardized hemp farmer, have them grow it a certain way, read it, produ- uh, decord it, produce it, you know, process it, and then actually, you know, funnel that into our products that we have. I mean, there's just a whole supply chain there. So so right now you've got this makeshift kind of like, let's take what we can and make sure that it's, uh, you know, meeting these standards of compostability or bio-based, whatever it may be that they're asking for, and, um, you know, go from there. And performance, you know, absolutely. And we, 30 years ago, when I was first lit up by hemp, you know, we envisioned this hundred, everything's going to be a hundred percent, be a hundred percent hemp world, a hundred percent hemp farms, hundred percent hemp. I mean, that's just crazy pants. First of all, monoculture, no bueno for the planet. Uh, and, and second of all, rotation crops, biodiversity, regenerative agriculture, really creating a planet here that we can l- live in, survive in and and make uh, more bountiful for all of us and all of the winged and swimming and and flying creatures as well. Uh, so wonderful, thank you. There is no petroleum in those uh, in those bioplastics. And having said that, just to drive it home for the listeners, what would you say to someone who says, "Oh my goodness, look, I just got these hemp tensiles. It says they're compostable and biodegradable. It's probably safe for me to just throw it into the ocean." I mean this. This looks healthy. What do you say to that that kind of thinking? I, w- I would say that we try to focus on that whole middle road of understanding that, yes, these items are compostable, but they're, I've, I've spent the last three months trying. We've been doing a – it's really interesting. We've been doing a video a documentary on this whole process for us because we've got our customers. We've got our supply chains. We've got composting as a, as a source. But I've, I've hunted down – there's 124, 125 industrial composters around the nation, and – a majority of them want nothing to do with bioplastics right now. There is a um, existential ball- battle going on for the Biodegradable Products Institute, and uh, who, I've, who I've been, you know, on, on the phone with uh, almost uh, more than one could expect. And um, because a lot of the bioplastics that are out there, these white, you know, bioplastics, they can't differentiate them. They have no way of telling whether or not these are going to be what they're going to. Um, turn into a quality manure, quality fertilizer for the farmers. I mean, that's the cycle, right? When you're talking about composting. Yes. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've, I mean, I've, my team's been designing new containers to go with our uh, products for these restaurants that are getting them so that they can separate them and put them in there and, and make it a thing that, you know, these, these brown te- uh, tensils, uh, you know, are brown for that specific reason that, you know, we can start to actually utilize the system that is millions and millions of dollars in development. Um, but uh, as far as throwing anything in the ocean, I, I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, but the science is, Basically, that um, you know, when you when you have something that's that's biodegradable, or I should say, uh, inherently biodegradable and bio based, you're providing something that bacteria have a chance to eat and break down again into compost, CO2, and H2O. And so, the only only situation that it doesn't degrade at the rate that you'd like it to is if it ends up, say, in a landfill, hey, sitting under tons and tons of uh, of other material 
where it starts to heat up and get to an, what's called anaerobic digestion. Again, it stopped me if I'm getting way above lane. No, no, of- please. <laughs> but um, but yeah, where, where it's not able to breathe because the oxygen actually is what allows it to break down. And so you have that's where we, you know, you have to consider, well, okay, if it's ending up in the landfill, is it better? Well, we would argue yes, because in reality, we're taking, you know, if you have a million acres of, of hemp grown this last year, which is, uh, I think, a little bit less than what was grown, um, for every acre, you've got one or two tons of biomass that's being thrown away, uh, generally not used or, or, or being burnt. And in that process, you're releasing the CO2 that it had absorbed when it was growing. So the the idea of a cyclical economy or a circular economy is that you'd want to recapture that and use that for something one more time, two more times, three more times to be able to offset that impact. So so for us, what, what we want customers to feel comfortable is just knowing that by buying them in the first place, you're already offsetting your carbon. So, you know, while all while while all plants obviously grow through photosynthesis and convert, uh, you know, lock down essentially carbon by absorbing that CO2 and, and converting it to oxygen. You know, the fact that we can make so many different products with hemp means that hemp, which is not only generally speaking, has a thick canopy, obviously, for these poor farmers who I hope will just please give themselves a break and stand down and stop growing extract varieties hemp and start doing some variety trials. Obviously, we don't want farmers continuing to lose their shirt. We don't want them growing mass scale fiber and grain varieties when there is not mass infrastructure for them to process that long, strong stock or that nutrient-dense grain. Um, but we want this really to be the year of the of the variety trial. And ultimately, as we continue to work in tandem here with entrepreneurs and farmers building that infrastructure for that valuable fiber and grain, the true trillion-dollar industries that will have the largest environmental impact, um, as the farmers are doing their variety trials, you know, these canopies uh, become very thick. They're obviously, like all plants, going through photosynthesis, locking in that carbon. But what we're doing is trapping that carbon in hemp and then putting it out there um, into products. Uh, It really becomes quite the carbon sequestration um, situation. And, And as you sit here and say and not use, yes, when you're growing a big, beautiful plant with the world's most valuable bio cellulose and you're growing it for extract and only taking the the leaves and the flowers and leaving all of that valuable part you know uh to, to its own devices, or worse, of course, having to get rid of it because it's an overstock, so you're burning it, or having to get rid of it because it was non-compliant, and then you're forced to, you know, release it. Uh, it's just uh, a heartbreaking uh, situation to see, especially for someone who, I, I got into this 30 years ago for oil seed and fiber, brother, and of course, so grateful for cannabinoids, hit me like a ton of bricks, you know, seven or so years ago. And we're so grateful that cannabinoids, such as the more popular one these days, cannabidiol or CBD, is really being used as a platform to to express all of these other incredible uses of hemp um, as people realize, oh, gee, that shoulder pain I've had or that bad night's sleep. I, you know, I'm seeing relief. I'm having a problem solved and now I'm willing to listen. And it's wonderful. But uh, indeed, we need these farmers to uh, start growing 
these other types of hemp um, and getting ready for that for that infrastructure so that innovators like you can continue to have that supply in the supply chain and continue to evolve the industries. And so we've talked now about hemp tensils. You've also got, of course, green tech packaging um, and other supplies such as secondary packaging and even custom applications. And I'd like to just take us through each one of those and then particularly we'll, we'll end up with the custom applications because that's just really exciting. And I, I'd love to know uh, if you guys do anything around huge minimum orders or maybe more reasonable minimum orders as people try to get their products out to market. How about your cosmetic packaging? Should we start with that? Sure. Yeah. So, so our, um, you know, original, one of our biggest investors uh, early on was a uh, cosmetic packaging resource sales company. So, um, you know, the owner there uh, was uh, noticing the, the, the move towards more eco-friendly options and wanted us to start developing some solutions that were, um, that had less of a footprint, carbon footprint on them. And so we came up with uh, lotion containers, two-piece two uh, locking caps, and um, basically built some, you know, uh, what are called bridge tooling uh, to be able to produce some low runs of containers for uh, not only the cosmetic side, but uh, we also had looked at some uh, eighth jars and cannabis packaging. Um, as well. And so, you know, that those are still on the shelf, I, I can put it that way. Um, but our, our minimum orders, I guess, to get started would be in the vicinity of, you know, five, 10,000 units. So it's not like it's for the startup brand new brand of CBD that's wholesaling them. It'd be for a, a, a you know, a licensed producer or someone who's uh, looking to, um, you know, more broadly impact their market and say, hey, you know what, it's time for us to make an adjustment. And um, we don't have the wherewithal here to do it. But if we had somebody, a team that had already gone through that process, you know, we could we could step in for them. Um, you know, I, I, a great inspiration for that was, uh, uh, you know, the guys at Sauna uh, based out of Colorado. Yes. Who, um, you know, they, they wanted to do the same thing. They wanted to be positively impacting that community. And, um, you know, they were, they, you know, uh, Ron, who's a really good guy, uh, you know, he, uh, they worked really hard over the last few years to kind of, kind of carve out some, some space for themselves, but it's just been difficult because I think the engineering there is ongoing. You know, you have to continue to innovate and continue to develop, uh, something uh, for a commodity market. And if, for the sake of uh, distinction, just commodity means, you know, if, hey, if I'm buying cannabis all the time, then I'm going through a lot of containers. And, um, you know, it's nice to have uh, uh, something that speaks to my virtues. But at the end of the day, I, you know, I, my bottom line has to work out. I can't afford to go out of business trying to save the world. And we understand that. So, um, you know, for us, uh, dube tubes was something that we were really interested in. And, and um, you know, we, we did some some designs of those as well. But uh, we're kind of a small outfit. So until we really start hanging out with, uh, um, you know, some of these uh, uh, larger brands, I'll put it that way, um, we, we've kind of just started staying in our lane, you know, and, and we have a lot of connections in the restaurant industry. And, and so we want to be able to support them. 
Amen and wonderful. And actually, believe it or not, that minimum order was more for the custom applications. And we'll we'll get there as well. But this is this is just so fantastic. Now, how about the secondary packaging as you describe it on greentechplanet.com? And by the way, listeners, we will have all of the different ways to uh, connect to these incredible products that Green Tech Planet under Jordan's leadership um, is producing on our website at podconnects.com. That's P-O-D-C-O-N-X.com. All of those links will be there. So I'm at greentechplanet.com right now, Jordan. And what is the secondary packaging? Why don't you describe that to us? So secondary packing is just the idea that if you have a hard container and you and you wanted to be able to put it inside of a box, then that's where you'd start. And so we've got some good partnerships with some uh paper pulp material makers that are working with hemp right now. And they're able to do, they did our boxes for, uh, you know, these, uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll hold off on some of these products, but yeah, basically, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, you can do hemp boxes. It's not, um, you know, uh, revolutionary, but it is very tasteful. It's something that we like and something that we, we feel is on brand for us. So we wanted to really be able to, uh, deliver that to other customers as well and share that with them. Um, you know, and so if you have, you know, uh, larger boxes, smaller boxes that you had in mind, things that go along with secondary packaging, um, that is something that we design. We, we, you know, we've got our, our artwork team, myself, uh, you know, our, our other, uh, coordinator will come up with the designs and everything that you need and, and be able to get you out, you know, orders. And those are smaller orders. You could be, you know, a few hundred, 500, a thousand, whatever it is that you're going through. Um, just something that, that goes along with, with, uh, your brand. Awesome. I mean, ding, ding, ding. And it says here from exterior hemp paper boxes to compostable label seals and stickers. I mean, we're talking a pretty wide spectrum here. This is fairly phenomenal, brother. And let me ask you this. The very cardboard boxes or the exterior secondary package boxes that my hemp tensils come to me in um, with the beautiful hemp tensils logo, etc. Are those hemp blended boxes? Have that has has that been lost on me? Yes. So I would, I I would point that out. Yes. Uh, I mean, just in general, we, you know, we're, we're a hemp team. I've I've got a hemp hat on right now. You can't see, well, I had it, Uh, but you know, we love hemp. So we want it in everything that we've got. I know, you know, we talked about a monolith and and the idea of diversity and that's beautiful, but um, we're, uh, we're trying to put hemp into everything. And, 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 you know, the, our, our, ancestors uh and forefathers uh believed in it as as much as we do so definitely they they had no choice but to believe in it we would have <laughs> died as, a, as humanity without it i'm pretty sure um but but i will also say that you know i hang out with you know oh my god talk about living and breathing hemp um but still, folks cannot necessarily afford to make those choices. And, and as you just, you know, described having the backs of, of your clients and potential clients and, and, and future clients say, hey, we understand that you can't go, your bottom line matters. You can't go broke saving the world. And yet you have found a way to do that. Jordan, that is just awesome. There are so many great companies out there right now, but they, they, they've not been able to pull the trigger on that. So fantastic. Um, and before we get into custom applications, because that gets to a slightly different category, 
Could we talk about your hemp straw, the incredible, truly hemp-containing hemp straw that's out there and available on the market right now versus, and and I never, ever like to do any disparaging, um, but at the same time, it is so important uh, for us to continue to put our critical thinking hat on um, when in any emerging industry, but particular in any form of cannabis, whether it's hemp, adult use, medical, whatever we need to keep our critical thinking hats on. And and certainly there has been a new straw out there that has become quite popular. Um, it's marketed as the hemp straw. It's marketed as the original hemp straw. Uh, and there's probably a couple things out there, but I mostly am seeing the hemp straw, the original hemp straw. They are either of a turquoise blue color or of a bright green, almost tealish Kelly green color. And they generally have writing on them that in white, usually that is either going to say the hemp straw, the original hemp straw or something else. And that is being marketed for obvious reasons. It says hemp, hemp, hemp all over it as a hemp straw that is biodegradable and compostable. Um, could you please let us know what is the difference between that straw that is out there and gaining popularity um, with the American consumer and potentially other countries as well versus the straw that that Green Tech Planet is manufacturing that actually contains hemp? All right. Uh, so ours has ours looks like hemp. Um, it is a natural raw brown. Uh, the, that is the material that it's it's made out of. We you know we're extruding it, pulling it. Through a long dye here in California, uh, so it's domestically made. Uh, that's a difference. The uh, price point is uh, we wanted to basically we wanted to do something cool because we knew paper straws are a, a bane, the bane of most people's existence. Uh, being able to taste them and everything, and, and you know, typically there you're still paying three to five cents for for that. And so you know, ours are roughly about five cents um, per unit, especially if you're buying in bulk. Um, and they're, uh, they'll last, they'll last in your drink, but they'll, uh, but they do, they are compostable. They are, um, you know, hundred percent bio-based and, um, yeah, they're, they're, they've got a, they've got a unique, they've got like a texture, like a hemp texture, but they don't taste like anything. You drink your drink, you taste your drink. That's it. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that, those would be the main differences, I guess. Um, you know, I'm more power to anybody who's trying to do something positive with hemp. Um, but we, you know, we tried out other straws on the market and and we just we were confused because you know hemp isn't green you know hemp isn't teal so we wanted to make something really um just pure just raw i mean we, we had even looked at calling them straws in the raw but uh sugar in the raw owns straws in the raw even though they don't make straws so we're, we're having our lawyers look into that as well but <laughs> i imagine you are because there's something called you know an uh, extension for use <laughs> and at some right. point those extensions run out with the u.s right. patent and trademark office yeah but um Go ahead. Could I ask you, with regard to, have you done any sort of testing with those other straws that are on the market to determine whether or not, in fact, they contain hemp? So there is a, a lovely little biotesting facility in Florida, which is what pointed us in the direction of making our own materials. Because when we use the other materials, we didn't find any traces of hemp in it. Now, I understand this is, I have to say this allegedly or whatever the legal ramifications would be. I, I don't, I would say do your own homework. Amen. Um, but, but ours for certain, uh, beyond the eye test, beyond passing the eye test, 
do have do are made from him. So they they you know there's no uh, disp- disparity, no question uh, in terms of uh, whether or not ours do. But um, yeah, that was that was a big thing for us. I mean, you know, we we wanted to because I I personally before we were making these ones, I wanted to distribute those. I was like, hey, let's. You know, if the, you guys making him straws, let's let's get it out there. This is this is amazing. This is awesome. And and then I got them, and I was like, all right, well, I've had these in um, a, a degre- degradation tank and a comp- compost since 2018. They look exact. I, I can I'd grab them right now. They're they're the exact same. So so if they're not degrading at all, what and they don't have hemp, then what? It, again, I just it was very frustrating for me. <laughs> It's particularly frustrating for me, brother, because, of course, I am going to dive on the sword with my listeners. I'm here being the first line of defense for the industry and telling everybody to keep their critical thinking hats on. And at the same Christmas slash Hanukkah, as I often call Christmukkah, where I bought all of your hemp tensils, I also bought a bunch of boxes of those straws. Um, so, uh, we, we really need to be looking into all of those things. And, and again, it's just buyer beware, particularly in these emerging industries. And, uh, we need to get to the bottom of the materials that we are buying. Trust your eyes. I, you know, I'm I'm sorry. I would just say, trust your eyes. You know, if it, if it doesn't pass the eye test, um, and then the other side is, you know, this, because I know you have a legal background, um, that, um, you know, there's those, cl- any claims of biodegradability are a big deal. If you say something degrades in 12 months, uh, or um, is biodegradable, it must degrade in 12 months. You know, we say, Hey, these materials are compostable. They have, you know, and we're doing our testing to see exactly how much time it takes to break them down. But that isn't our push. Our push isn't to say this is going to poof, disappear in five seconds. We want something that has a nominal benefit to the environment and society, right? And so that's why you use hemp because it has that value to the farmers, the value to the uh, supply chain and the value to customers at the end, as well as to the environment overall. So, you know, I mean, that's if you're talking about putting your thinking cap on, just just realize that, you know, some, it's okay if something lasts a few years. Uh, I mean, we la- humans last a few years. We just don't want something that lasts forever. Amen to that. And by the way, when you talked about, uh, and I meant to grab this earlier, but you're saying so many things that are inspiring me. Um, you know, you're saying, hey, is do we think it's actually better for this to end up at the landfill? Also understand that there is, as you well do, I'm sure already, maybe I'm talking more to the listeners than directly to you, Jordan, and that is that landfill gas and renewable natural gas, while all of these revolutions are in fact happening at once, uh, it's a revolution of consciousness, an agricultural revolution, a, a climate awareness revolution, um, a natural gas energy revolution. All of these things are happening on our planet all at the same time. And uh, we're seeing and I'm involved in some very exciting projects right now with technology that isn't a dream. It already exists. It's already in operating in the EU and plants are being built here in the United States to convert that landfill waste, that garbage, as it were, um, to renewable natural gas um, and uh, and other fuels. So I just think it's incredibly exciting how that cycle continues and continues. Now let's talk for a minute about the custom applications. It says, Green Tech's design team prides itself on offering custom bio-based packaging options at best-in-class pricing, and there's collaboration with one of your partners. So if I have an idea, do can I bring it to Green Tech? What do we mean by custom applications? 
So the biggest aspect of our custom focus and what we've been working really hard to get geared into is the thermal forming aspect, right? So let's say that you uh, go to Chipotle and you see these bowls uh, that they have for their takeout. A lot of that type of material where it's, I mean, that's pure fibers, is coated with all kinds of um, chemicals and type barrier protectants that make that material un untenable for the landfill, untenable for that uh, end of life cycle. And so what we realized was you have so much post-harvest material that could be used at a high volume that we wanted to concentrate on some of the type of packaging aspects, whether it be shipping containers or I'm sorry, shipping boxes or uh, those takeout containers or different types of uh, coffee bags that are more, you know, more uh, sturdier bags. Things of this nature was something that we knew we could offer at a lower unit price point than what's currently being done with paper and be more environmentally beneficial than is paper. So that is an aspect that's been coming into development over a few years. And there's a few good things right now that we're developing that we you know, I can't uh, talk about specifically case by case. But we're really excited on that one because in the long run, that, that's where you're going to see a, a major impact. I'll say hugely. And what is the, there is a picture on your website at Green Tech Planet with regard to, you know, the sort of icon announcing the custom applications. What is that widget? What am I looking at that picture there? Uh, if maybe you haven't seen your own website in a while. I shouldn't put you on the spot like that. No, 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 no. You're good. No. That was, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, that was our coasters. That was, no, you're fine. I, I, had to, I had to remind myself. No, the, um, the coasters that we did, we, so we had a, a collaboration with, a, with a, a team out of uh, Vancouver called Follow the Leaders. Uh, it was a, a Rakim reference if you're from that era. Um, they really wanted to do some positive things up there. And that whole community, I mean, Canada in general, uh, very forward thinking. Um, in terms of that, of hemp and and, and um, plastic waste. And so what we did was we came up with, uh, you know, this is in our early testing phase. We just came up with something that was uh, sampleable, something that we could pass out, something that we could share, you know. And, and since they're growing a lot of plants, we thought, give them a planter coaster. Give them something that they could sit on, you know, they could sit on their desk. And, you know, now they have hemp plastic on their desk. And so we, we did a run, uh, you know, a few thousand of those, uh, more more than anybody would have ever asked for and um, you know they're 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 holding up. Those are those things are are tough, and and it's kind of it remind it's reminiscent of that whole story of uh, Ford, how he you know built his car out of uh, the uh, soil. With, uh, yeah, the, right, and uh, and just like Bruce Dietzen out of Florida, same concept. Um, you know, and and when you make that material thicker, it's resilient. So you know we uh, and then we just you know we did some custom uh, labeling on it so that it had either our brand or the company that we were sharing it with their brand, and so. Um, yeah, that was that was just something that we left up so people could see. But I, I, that one does get a lot of questions. People are, what, what is that exactly? <laughs> well, super cool. And I should have known. And I think there was probably at one point where I said, I guess that could be a coaster. Um, <laughs> and so, but what's super cool about it is to the extent, and I imagine, of course, it's the cost of the mold, which is often an investment, et cetera. But um but it sounds like then if I have an idea for uh, for something, something, it certainly is not going to hurt and may very well help. And in terms of fully executing the vision or the idea to contact Green Tech Planet and see if I can work with Green Tech Planet to bring my hemp bioplastic idea into the world. 
Exactly. And that's what we're here for. I mean, we're, we're domain experts in that space. There's, it's just a matter of time in the game. If you're focused on doing it and you're learning about it the whole time, you're going to have a leg up. It's, it's why Tesla will be so good at vehicle uh, EVs for so long is because they have the miles in it. And so if you have, if you have projects, if you have something that you've had in mind for some time and you just need some, a, a team that can uh, really rally that and, and, and take it off the ground, then uh, yeah, we're, we're here for you. I mean, I don't know why I'm saying this, although I think it makes sense. I literally am just sitting here going, you are your own supercapacitor. You are making this Green Tech Planet is a supercapacitor. It's storing the energy for the rest of us here. This is amazing, uh, that service that you offer, the incredible things that you're doing. Anything, and believe me, I don't want to put you on the spot, brother, but anything exciting in the future that you might be able to give us a tiny hint about, or just should we keep a close eye on Green Green Tech Planet. Yeah, keep a close eye. You know, we're we're really growing as a team right now. We just got accepted into the uh, Los Angeles Clean Tech Incubator as one of their portfolio <laughs> members. So, you know, they've been really supporting us. They've got all kind of resources and and, and you know, really you know, building us into um, a, a vehicle for uh, meeting the type of policy ambitious policy goals that the state has, let alone the nation. So. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, everybody is uh, resists uh, change and momentum to some degree. But uh, it's one of those ones where, you know, get on the bandwagon. You know, this is something that we believe in. This is something that a lot of people believe in. And it just needs just like the the cha- the cultural changes that we've been aware of over this last few years. It needs people to realize that, you know, hey, we're on the wrong page about this. We should be investing in this. We should be focusing on how we can take these um, problems and turn them into solutions. Man, I can tell you this, Jordan Hinshaw, I am going to be keeping such a close eye on Green Tech Planet, shouting it from the rooftop. Cannot thank you enough for your passion, for hearing the call, and for helping to deliver on the promise. I mean, uh, we make it sound, oh, look, I've developed this company. But as you alluded to, and as it would take a whole nother show to even begin to describe to really be out there in this emerging market under these practically but clearly not totally untenable circumstances uh, to innovate and move forward. You're a serious warrior, a hero of epic proportions, and it's just so wonderful to see these things happening in the world, in my mailbox, shipped out as gifts. Unbelievable stuff, Jordan. Just bravo, outstanding work. We cannot wait to have you here again on Hemp Barons. My pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, There is no good life without joy. So thank you. uh, (laughs) We'll take it, brother. We will take that. Uh, Wishing you everything wonderful. And believe me, I'm going to be watching Green Tech Planet. And listeners, I sure hope you will, too. We're going to have all of your links at podconnects.com. Jordan, until next time, stay healthy, brother, and stay completely awesome. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. 
I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.